then you gave the keys of your kingdom to your church. And so we are standing, we're standing in faith, in belief, in the name of Jesus, that you are doing the amazing, the mighty, the miraculous, because you are the God that rules and reigns over all. Even when Satan, who is the murderer, the liar, and the thief, launched his best shot to kill you, not because of your sins, but because of our sins. When he launched his best shot, resurrection was your trump card. When he launched the best that he could do, you did one better. You went to death. You've been there and done that. You defeated it. And you took it all on our behalf and gave us all the benefit of your victory. Now we call upon you, Jesus, the author and the developer of our faith, that you would help us to take the measure of faith that you have given to each and every one of us and to increase in it so that we can walk out the destiny, the path, the preordained works, and the good life that you have prearranged and made ready for each and every one of us to live in the name of Jesus. Now say this with me, Heavenly Father, your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting, amen. Now say this with me, I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Hallelujah, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to reach out and acknowledge those of you that are watching with us online, on Facebook or YouTube. Please, please take the time to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We know we're working through some things, but we're going to get all of this together. And we believe that the voice of destiny is going to shine all around the world and that you get a chance to get in on the ground floor of what we consider a global international ministry designed to help people and touch and change lives and transform people all around the world. Please stay tuned to the word of God. Please, there will be some information available to you on how to sow into the word as well. But we are looking for you and asking you both to enjoy the ministry, believe it, receive it, and then help us to help somebody else with the difference of destiny. God bless you. All right. Unleashing the increase of faith, I just felt like um, God had re-interrupted our regularly scheduled program. And so I just decided that if he was going to do that, I'm going to go with him instead of asking him to go with me. It's his house. He gets the right to do that. Isn't it amazing that there are all these gifts in the body and um, um, worship is, if you look on the the, um, the side of um, the walls here. Worship is one of our pillars. Um, we believe that um, we call it a life of passionate, prayerful pursuit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's critical and integral to everything else that we do. And we believe that God does the amazing things, things that we cannot when we simply reverence, honor, and invoke his presence. We believe that, that things will happen in worship that you can't do any other way, that, right? Uh, one hour of worship can, can be more than a thousand hours of work. I just believe that. Now, I'm not against work, y'all. 
we are his workmanship, created unto good works. So I'm, your pastor's not a lazy preacher. I don't do all the stuff that I do because I'm afraid of work. But I also understand that there are certain things that God just resolves in his presence that you just can't get done any other way. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God is a very present help in my time of trouble. Therefore, we won't fear though the earth be removed and the mountain be cast into the sea. So we believe that there's just power that comes together and that there's more gifts and that all of the great gifts are not already on the platform. I'm cool with that, right? I'm, I'm really cool with that. I just know that there's a certain place that God has charged me in this season to lead us into. And I'm very comfortable with that role because I know that there's going to come a day when he's going to tell me, okay, son, you've ran this as far as you can run it. Time your, it's your time to pass it off and move on to what else I got for you. So I'm going to run as hard and as fast as I can while I got a chance, while the blood's running warm in my veins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think somebody knows something about that. I charge the keep I have a, a God to glorify, right? Never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. Yeah. So, so I'm, just, I'm just trying to do everything that I know to do to help God's people get to where God has for them. Because there are two words that I'm waiting to hear on that last and faithful day. And those two words are, well done. Yeah. That's, 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 that's all it's all about, y'all. And so we're going to just share some things with you here today, unleashing the increase of faith. I'm not going to go through my objectives for those that are there. You know that we're in this series and we're just trying to make sure that you understand the basics of faith, that you examine how you use faith in your own life and that you examine yourself. And then there are power keys and principles. I'm, there's some power keys that the Lord really wants me to tell you today. Um, and that uh, I'm going to do that. And then to embolden you, right? Worship gives, puts us in an environment that makes us bold enough to receive and believe God. When you're in worship, you know, it's like, it's like the supernatural is natural in that space. Okay, so you can hear a word that don't make no kind of sense in worship. And then in that environment, you can believe it. And because you can believe it in that environment, then you can receive it. Abraham said, me and the lad are going to go up the mountain and we're going to worship. And we're both going to come back down to you again. We both coming, we both going up and we both coming down to you. And then he said, <laughs> you, you boys stay here with the asses. We're going to go up. So sometimes you got to leave people with the, and then I'm going to just leave that right there. And then you got to go up and do what God's telling you to do. Because when you get what he tells you to get, then you can come back and deal with them. But in the meantime, you and God got to go on up, but leave them. Okay, y'all just, all right, I think somebody got a revelation right there. But the scripture says that the Lord will provide for himself a ram a lamb, a lamb, and then they saw a ram in the bush, right? And then he, at that altar, called the name Jehovah Jireh, and people say it's the Lord our provider. And that's, that's not an incorrect translation, but it, it is incomplete because it literally says, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Because that's, that's what it goes on to say. So what does it say? God will give you vision for your provision in your place of worship. That's not in my notes, so you might want to take that down. God will give you vision for your provision in your place of worship. Some of us have resources, but we just haven't recognized them yet. He lifted up his eyes. The ram was already there. But it was only past the point of his worship that he could see, have vision of the provision that God saw in advance would need to be there when God gave him the command to go there and worship. God had already 
foreseen that and provided. He had, God had already seen it and made. He already had the vision and had the provision there. Abraham couldn't recognize it until he got to the point of his worship. That's why our worship time isn't just warm up for preaching. That's why you're going to miss out. If you sashaying in the church, you know, on the third song, because your revelation might come on the first one, but you're still in the parking lot. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. Okay, I'm just, I'm trying to understand. Listen, we're, we're believing God for the supernatural. So we have to go to his word and find out all the things that he says is the way that he likes it. We're, why do we spend so much time? Why does your pastor, most people have, you know, one small point, two points in a poem. I'm not against, and if God told him to do that, that's fine. But why do I spend all of my time trying to labor to get all of this teaching inside of you? Because I, I know that there are certain things that God says, I'm Jehovah, I approve that message. And that's the stuff I want you to know, because when, when we go with what he's approved, then we don't have to make it happen. We don't have to wonder if he's going to show up. We don't have to We get all of that out the way, because we've already dealt with that, because we've already decided that we're going to go to him in the way that he approves. Elijah was standing up on a mountain, and they were calling out to some idol false god, and they were, they were doing self-mutilation and cutting themselves and screaming and hollering. And he said, he said, talk louder. Maybe your god is deaf or on. He's on a trip. Maybe he can't hear you. And Elijah let them play all around until the time of worship came. First thing he did was he, he said, nope. I'm coming here at the time of worship, at the time of the evening sacrifice. And then he got 12 stones, according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And then he worshiped with a sacrificial offering. Why? Because if you put water in the midst of a three and a half year famine, everybody around there is thirsty while they pour in that water. Everybody around there thirsty, but they pour in the water. Well, he wanted a water harvest. He wanted rain. So he said, I got to sow a water seed. And after the sacrifice, after the worship, then he prays and the heavens open. After, at the point of worship, you have vision for your provision. So please, please, please. Don't miss your worship. All right, that was the appetizer. That was not on the menu. I just went with God and decided we're going to go where he was going. Unleashing the increase of faith, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We said before that hope is the blueprint. Faith is the building materials. You have to have, I can have a bunch of stuff in a room on a, in, in a field that is building materials. But the difference between those materials and a building is a blueprint faithfully executed. And so some people are trying to get the stuff built, and they haven't yet developed a blueprint. They don't yet see themselves healed. They don't see themselves prosperous. They don't see God working it out in their situation because situations will talk to you. You, did you know situations will talk to you? See, I, I, have, I have a struggle as your, as your pastor because when I come here week after week and I see seats empty, seats start to talk to me. Not just the ones where y'all saying amen. Seats talk to you. Don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you what preachers go through. 
I'm just telling you, I got to do the same thing I'm telling you to do. I don't get, God don't give me a, a pass to not release my faith on the thing that I'm believing for, like he, and he don't give you one neither. So I have to make sure that the situations that I'm facing don't determine the blueprint that's living on the inside of me. And you do too. Bill will talk to you. <laughs> Bill talk real loud. And Bill has some angels. They call your phone. He has, Bill has messengers sent out to tell you, I'm looking for my money. This call is being recorded for quality assurance purposes. Yeah, I'm just saying, Bill talk to you. And if you don't let, if you let Bill, light Bill, gas Bill, house Bill, car Bill, if you let Bill, Bill will, will determine the blueprint that's living on the inside of you. So I have to be careful that we talk to you from e Ephesians 2, just re reference 11 through 13. That if I am a stranger to the covenant of promise, then I'm a stranger to what God promised me. And I have no Bible basis for hope. But it's not just enough to know what God promised. You also got to know what you desire. Because he can promise up here and then your desire is down here. And then he has to bring his substance down to where you desiring. And we talked about Lazarus, the Christian crumb snatcher that all he desired, he had the same covenant of Abraham that that rich man had. His covenant included healing and prosperity, but all he desired was crumbs. His situation had talked to him so long that even though he was right with God and ready for heaven inside of him, all he could believe God for was the crumbs from this man's table. So it's not just enough what God has promised. It also has to be what you desire. And when those two things intersect, then, then you have the kind of blueprint that God can say, I can build something on that one. What most people have is not Bible hope. They have hope based on some other thing other than what God promised. They hope, their hope is based on the fact that, okay, I went to college and I got a degree so I can get a good job and this is the kind of house I can afford to live in. Or they hope is, you know, um, if things get real tight, I know how to, you know, change my, my skirt length, and I can get me a sugar daddy. They have some other way to get stuff other than trusting the covenant that God gave them. Or they're just hoping that nothing bad happens today that I can't handle. And you and I both know that that's not the kind of Bible hope that Hebrews 11 and 1 is talking about. We know that their hope is not solid because when they get an evil report from the doctor, they get dejected. Now, listen, I ain't mad at you. If you had a bad report, those things are tough. But they might be showing you that your hope was based on something other than God's promise to you. And we sang the song, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. See, that's, see, money, money will, like, like, if you're not careful, you get trusting in them, like, you know, you didn't have nothing, 
and then God starts to give you something, and then he tells you to reach into the stuff he gave you and sow a seed, and then you start telling him, no, no, no. I trusted you to get it, but now I got it. I don't trust you. I'm trusting it more than I'm trusting you. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. See, that was the rich man's problem. He had kept the commandments, and if you keep these commandments, these blessings will overtake you. But he started trusting the blessings more than the blessor. Look at Romans 4, 17 through 22. Abraham, any, any study on faith has to go through certain things. Got to spend some time in Hebrews chapter 11. You got to spend some time in, in Mark chapter 11. And you got to spend some time studying the life of Abraham. If you don't do those three things, you haven't, I don't care what else you talked about, you haven't really done a good study on faith. So let's see how Abraham dealt with hope after every natural crutch, every natural thing that he could hope for failed him. Let's look at it. Romans 4, 17 through 22. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, when every natural reason to have hope had failed him, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. He was trusting God's covenant promise, so shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he didn't consider the stuff that was failing him to put hope in it. He didn't look at that stuff. It wasn't that he denied that it existed. He denied that it had the right to determine his destiny. He did not consider his own body. He said, body, you're my body, but I'm not listening to you. When Bill started talking to him, okay, can I say it the way I hear it, Lord? Yeah. He told Bill to shut the hell up. He did not consider his own body. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God, covenant promises. He didn't stagger. He didn't stumble at the promises of God through unbelief. What is unbelief? Choosing to believe what his body was telling him, what Sarah's body was telling him versus what God had promised him. But was strengthened in faith. Here's the praise and worship part. Giving glory to God. He had a praise party before the manifestation, not after, but before. Don't wait till the battle is over. You can shout now because you know in the end, you're going to win. Come on now. Giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Verse 22 says, and therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. All right, now, I'm hearing God go a different way than what I had in my notes, so I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, media team. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Because if you're going to have a destiny marriage, a destiny partnership in your home, if you're going to have a destiny relationship, you can't hitchhike on your partner's faith and have them carrying all the load and you just sitting there eating tea and crumpets. Both of y'all got to be pulling. Abraham was God's man and he heard God, but Sarah heard God too. Husbands, 
you're supposed to be creating an environment by the way you hear God that your wife can hear God and get the overflow of your relationship with God and she can hear God because she knows you hear God and then the God that you talk to start talking to her and she hear him talking to you. Stop making your wife doing all of the praying and then you sitting up watching football games. All right, I, I feel that. Feel that men of destiny anointing coming on. I'm sorry, that's for Saturday. That's not for Sunday. That's not for Sunday, brothers. I promise I wouldn't front you off in front of your women. But I'm just telling you, you can't make them do all of the work. Sarah wasn't out there pulling, out pulling Abraham in her faith. Child, please. If you make her pull the most and hear the most, then you're not the authority she is. I'm not that spiritual. Then you're not that, you're not that leader. She, my wife know how to pray, but I just, I just bring the money in. She the leader. The one who hears God is the leader. I don't know how else to make it plain. If you, how can you be head if you can't get orders from headquarters? I'm mad at nobody. I'm just trying to tell you how it works. But then if you got a real man of God, don't just make him do all of the work neither. Look at it. Hebrews 11, 11. By faith, Sarah herself, Sarah herself, not hitchhiking on Abraham's faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She didn't judge her husband faithful. That dude... <laughs> To protect his own skin, let King snatch her out of his house. So she clearly couldn't have been trusting in him. I know he was God's man of faith and power and all. She couldn't have been trusting in him. She judged God faithful who had promised. And so we want to be clear that I have to spend enough time meditating the promises. Not until I rememorize the scripture, but till I can say it and see God fulfilling it for me. I'm not just learning that he was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities, chastised and evil which peace was upon him, and with his stripes I'm healed. But when you say that, do you see him healing your body? Until you get to the point that you can say it and see it working for you, you don't have the kind of blueprint that faith can build on. And so some of us, we think we're trying to release our faith we're still trying to develop hope. We haven't spent enough time in the promises to get the picture clear. God's trying to give us land flowing with milk and honey, but we're still seeing giants and grasshoppers. And so it takes time to develop the Bible hope to actually read that scripture and get your mind to believe that he can do it for you. Sometimes you have to get you visual aids to assist you in the process. I'm going to talk to you about that in a bit. Look at, look at how Abraham developed this kind of picture in himself. Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Is the Lord helping you today? Is he, is he helping you? Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, Abram, he's not yet Abraham, in a vision. 
There was words and pictures. There was words and pictures. Have you ever had, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rush through this thing because I'm, I'm trying to be respectful. I'm trying to give you 90 minutes of power and all of that. But there's some stuff I got to get into you. Okay, so just, just bear with me because I'm trying to get you to a certain place. Have you ever tried to encourage the faith of somebody that's going through something and then you give them a scripture and then they say, I didn't know that. And then they try to quote it back to you. They're not even saying I'm in agreement with you. They're just saying, I already know that. They are saying all the right words, but they clearly don't have the right picture on the inside of them. The word came in a vision. Words and pictures go together. Now, if I were to tell you to close your eyes, let's just do it. You slow down, Pastor. Slow down. Okay. All right. All right. Close your eyes. Imagine a dog. Look at him. Now, most likely, if you have a dog, you see the one you got. But everybody's picture of a dog is different. Until I give you more words, a big, black, pit bull, barking dog that's chasing you down the street. Now, I've changed the picture with different words. Right, you can open your eyes. Sometimes we say the right thing, but the picture we have is based on our experience because everybody sees their own dog. And so sometimes... You trying to encourage somebody, but they arguing back at you with the scripture, but you know that they still seeing their own dog. Not the thing that you're trying to give them. They saying all of the right words. Ain't no power in it. Because they haven't taken the time to meditate the covenant until they see God doing it for them. And that is hard homework. You're not going to change durable images of yourself overnight. That's why scripture says you must be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Not just the thinking, but the whole attitude and framework. Because some people have a negative disposition. And it, it takes time to get that stuff out of you. That kind of thing repels the thing that God wants to do in your life. But most people won't take the time to do the homework because they want somebody to come in and pray and lay hands and get them three points in a poem and close with a hoop. And then they want to go home and make it work for them. And it don't work that way. Before I'm an engineer by training. Before, you know, there's a lot of our people, they there making them T1 pickups in Jesus' name. Bless them in Jesus' name. And let their ties come to destiny generation. And let their car, let their work be good today, Lord, because the whole general, that's General Motors, is depending on that truck being successful in Jesus' name. And oh, wait, Lord, let us be Ford and Chrysler too. All right, all right, for all of you out there, don't be hating. I'm just representing my team. Long before there were people with building materials to build the truck, we were working on the blueprints. And we spent years getting the, the blueprints right. Long before we started building physical parts, we spent years getting the design right. And people think that they can just jump to faith and they haven't even developed hope. 
a good blueprint is worth something. We was out there working on this property, and then a guy um, that, that God gave us, and a guy on the end of the street said, I'm an architect. I'm like, Roo. okay, because see, I understand that a good blueprint going to cost you something. You want to help me do something here? You an architect, you say. See, I understand. A blueprint, it, it, it's, 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 it costs something to develop a good design. We spend years getting it right, long before job number one. But people want to jump to faith and get the stuff, and the blueprints on the inside of them isn't right. All right, Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing, 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 seeing a different blueprint, a different picture, a different picture. Seeing, I go childless. And his childless situation was talking to him. Not only do I go childless, and the heir of my house is this servant I got named Eliezer from Damascus. Why are you trying to give me a bunch of stuff? He had a different picture on the inside of him. And not only was he childless, he had already went to a next step to say, not only am I childless, but when I die, this dude going to get all my stuff. See, do you see how it's never the single picture? It's like the bill, and then it's like this going to happen, and they're going to come take my house, and they're going to take my car. They ain't even, they, they still sending you the first nasty letter, and you already at the point where you homeless. You already embellishing beyond the, the picture that's in front of you. Why did he go from being childless to this person getting all my stuff? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Now it's God's fault. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Okay, I got to give you a different picture. All right, that's the King David version. Don't quite say that in the King James. Look, that is, I got to give you a different picture. Look now toward heaven. Wait. I got to change your position so I can change your perspective. Write that one down. That one isn't in my notes. I have to change your position so that I can change your perspective. He took him outside of what he had been stewing in in his own house. I got to change your position so I can change your perspective. Took him outside. Said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him, Abram, for righteousness. Are you pondering a picture of the, of, of the promise of God fulfilled in your life? Or are you stewing inside your house in the problem to the point that you've meditated the problem not to what it is, but to the next actions on it? You're not only childless, but you see Eliezer getting all your stuff. In your head, you picturing your stuff, you dying, them having a funeral, eating fried chicken, collard greens, potato salad. And Eliezer saying, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. You have, you have already went beyond the first step, and you have meditated further steps in the process. And is that meditation bigger on the inside of you than what God promised you? Have you let God change your position so he can change your perspective? Or are you just trying to believe God like Abraham without using the process Abraham used to develop that belief? 
You're trying to believe like Abraham, but you don't have a picture that, that you use to, to anchor your meditation. Like, when, when the church is filled, the next time, and I didn't do it before, and I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself, I need to take a picture of the church being filled. Because I need something besides the seats, because the seats, they're talking so loud, I can't hear y'all saying amen. Now, you can't hear them, but I hear them. They talk to the pastor. Okay? If I let them talk me into it, they will tell me that I'm going to be stuck in here with just y'all. And I love y'all. Your pastor ain't mad at you. But I'm trying to tell you that the seats are talking to me louder than you talking to me. If I let them. And they will drown out the promise of God if I don't let him change my position so he can change my perspective. You need faith props, pictures that you use to help you imagine the promise fulfilled in your life. I have a picture back there. Come on, team, why don't you show them my picture? I was believing God for a house. And um, in the corner there, there's some lines there. You can't read them. Let me tell you what they say. They say Deuteronomy 6, 10, and 11. The Lord promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give them this land. Now he will take you there and give you large towns with good bills that you didn't build and houses full of good things that you didn't put there. That's what those words say. That picture helped me help me to stay in hope until God can act on those words. Now, God isn't obligated to the picture. God's obligated to the words. The picture wasn't for God. The picture was for me. The stars wasn't for God. They were for Abram. God wasn't doing it. The, the stars didn't help God. When he swore the promise, it was good. But he had to give Abram a different picture than him being childless, them eating fried chicken, collard greens, and mashed potatoes, and Eleazar coming home like, I'm the man now. He needed a different picture. So he took him to a place where he could look at something. So I had that, and I quoted that. I went back and actually found that I developed that picture in, 20, in 2003. In 2013, that's 10 years for all you mathematicians, I actually went and lived in a house that's on the order of the one that you see there in that picture. I actually drive by there, and I laugh at it. <laughs> I remember when that was what I was believing for. Now, it took me 10 years, but the 10 years was going to go by anyway. It took me a while to get that picture right. Lady Nedra, when we went looking for a house because I had PTSD from my last faith fight, that's post-traumatic stress disorder, from the last time I tried to do faith and it didn't work, I was even scared to go look at houses, God's man of faith and power. Even though it was an open house, when I walked in, I felt like I was breaking in. She was like, you big dummy. Now, she didn't say that. She's a good wife. I'm just telling you this for preacher effect. You big dummy. We asking God. We can't go look. So then she used the word against me. So now I'm going to have to do something. I'm God's man of faith and power. You know, I'm the head, but then she's giving me some help. And I need the help that the head is being given right now. But I kept confessing that scripture. And as I confessed it, something began to change on the inside of me. I began to see myself with it. After a while, I started walking in there acting like I own the place. Praise God. I still don't know how we're going to work the deal, but I'm just walking in there, hmm, yeah, that, that's a, God could do that. If it's God, it's not me. If the, I'm not checking my credit score. I'm not checking my down payment. I'm not checking, you know, what my FICO is. I'm not checking that. I'm checking what the promise was. Deuteronomy 6, 10, and 11 don't change because my FICO score ain't what it needs to be. Had nothing to do with it. 
The covenant don't change based on those things. So when those things don't come out the way you think they should or the way they think they should, you don't stop believing because it had nothing to do with that. But I start walking in there. It, it was uncomfortable the first couple days because my insides was telling me, danger, Will Robinson, danger. You don't belong here. My insides was telling me I'm just, I felt like I was breaking and entering. I felt like a felon trying to stick, jump through the window because my inside picture was telling me I didn't belong. And most people won't take the time that it takes to change that inside picture. And listen, when you're going on that trip, don't pack an overnight bag. It's going to take you more than a few days to get that picture changed. That, that picture on the inside of you is pretty durable. If it wasn't constant and consistent, then your character would, be, would flip. So that picture doesn't change overnight. That's why Abraham had to spend time hearing the promise, but looking at that until he could change the picture of the fried chicken, collard greens, the mashed potatoes, and Eleazar. Until he could get that, he had to look at the stars and hear God's promise and use the stars until he could get the picture on the inside of him that God could do it for him. Most people, don't, they don't want to take that time time. They want to listen to somebody hoop at them and shake your neighbor's hand. Shake it off. God's going to do it for you. It's going to take you longer than that to get that picture changed. I'm not even mad at none of that. But it's going to take you longer than that. That was a decade's worth of believing. Ten years. In that ten years, God was working on my credit. In that ten years, he was getting me to pay my bills on time. In that ten years, he was getting me past my own traumatic stress disorder. In that ten years, he was giving me the right partner that would, he could fulfill that with because he knew I couldn't pull that on my own. I needed her faith too. Most people don't want to do that. They want quick fixes. They want God to hurry up and give them a blessing. And hurry's not going to fix this one, y'all. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Let's hear about Abraham and about how Jesus, remember now, we talked to you about the fact that we're in Christ, we're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. We talked about the fact that, um, so we get all of the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant all of the blessings in, 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 in the law, the Mosaic covenant, without the curses, without the curses. But then we get all the blessings that's embedded in the new covenant, and the new covenant is sworn not in the blood of a bull or a goat, like Abraham's covenant was, but in the very blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, without spot. So God's oath isn't any better because he wasn't lying to Abraham. But the, the basis of our covenant is better because it was a better sacrifice that upholds it. Now let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. I got to be diligent to keep my hope hot all the way through to the end of the process. And if I got to be diligent with hope, I know we know there's diligence in faith because we must believe that he is and he rewards those that diligently seek him. I know that I got to be diligent with faith. I'm telling you, you got to be diligent with hope. You're going to have to work to keep that picture hot on the inside of you all the way through to the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That's why a pastor is telling you about promises I was believing for and how I use faith and patience, not the overnight bag. 
to receive the thing God had promised me. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he said, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help myself. Don't quite say it that way. He swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, but there was no greater than Abraham. And an oath of confirmation to them is for them an end of all dispute. God, thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, and we are heirs in Abraham, the unchangeable nature of his decisions, the immutability, that means he's not going to change. That means whatever problem you run up with won't change it. That means no matter what you face, whatever's talking to you, can't out-talk God if you believe his promise more than you believe it. Because he wanted to show you the unchangeable nature of it, confirmed it by an oath. Because he wanted to show his promise was unchanged. Listen, it was true when God promised it. The oath wasn't because he was lying another time. Some people, okay, I swear I'm telling you the truth. Now, most people, they say that because they was lying another time. God wasn't lying the first time. Once he promised it, it was good as gold. The, but then he confirmed it by an oath that by both of those two things, you would be confident. It has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with you. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel, his promise, confirmed it by an oath that by two unchangeable things, the fact that God promised to you, and then he swore by himself because there was nobody greater to him to swear to, which it was impossible for God to lie. We might have strong hope. Our hope should have some muscle to it. They ask you, do you believe you're going to get healed? You shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be up there saying, I hope so. That's not strong hope. Have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. If your, if your hope is right, it keeps your soul under control. <laughs> when me and Lady Nedra got married, man, every closet in the house was full. Every closet, every closet in the house, Pastor Butler was full. I had me a little small closet in the basement where my clothes was. But I had hope. And that one day, I was going to have a house, and there was going to be a closet that had room for Pastor David in. And I didn't have to go to the basement to get my clothes on. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. That there would be room, Brother Jonathan, for my shoes. I, I, I could have got an attitude, but hope was an anchor for my soul. Hope kept me. <laughs> I can hear Clay Evans saying, hope is your rope. I can hang on because hope was holding me in place. I could have came in and got an attitude. Bless God, I got to go down to the basement to get my clothes. Every closet. Listen, it wasn't just one. It was every one stacked to the brim. But I just believed God that there was room for me. And while the promise was manifesting... The blueprint was keeping Pastor David happily married. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. And this hope enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become a high priest forever after the, according to the order of Melchizedek. 
not only does that picture help you, this passage of scripture tells me that when I develop my hope in God's promises, the picture that's inside of me, there's the same image is put behind the veil in the Holy of Holies in heaven itself, where Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, can give me building materials to take that picture and make it a reality in my life. My hope not only affects me, but my hope affects heaven. It gives angels something to look at and to help me bring the past. Jesus is there watching over his covenant where his blood is on the mercy seat of heaven saying, God, we got to get that to David. And the God of hope says in Romans, fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's stand. Go ahead and praise God if the word blessed you today. Don't be lazy. Abraham gave glory to God, not on manifestation. He gave glory to God just on the promise that God can't lie, that God not only promised it, but he swore it by oath. He did that on a covenant based in the blood of bulls and goats. But we have a better covenant. We have a better blood. We have better promises. We have a better priest. And if he can believe, why can't you? Close your eyes for a minute. I don't want to rush off. I want the Lord to talk to you right now. There's a lot of stuff I said, but what is the Holy Ghost saying and showing you? What is the words or the vision that he has for you right now? Even those that are watching me online, don't, don't, don't rush past this. When you're not inside the church building, you can rush off and do something else. Don't rush off. I know Abraham was glad he didn't rush past the time. I know what can you believe God for? What can you receive from him? Know that if you let that hope really, really marinate inside of you, taking the time it takes to get the picture clear and to maintain the picture through a meditating God's word day and night. That Jesus, the author and developer of your faith, will stay with you until that picture becomes a living reality. I'm a witness. He has done it for me. God has an amazing plan for each and every one of us. It's a great plan. We call that plan destiny. His plan he put into our lives before any thought, habit, mistake, or misfortune overtook our lives. So often we try to get our act together and then come to the Lord. The reality is you can't make this work on your own. Abraham couldn't make his life better on his own. That's why you need to come to the Lord. So while all heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and believers are praying, if you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it's very, very simple. When you do that, you become an heir of God's covenant promise. You become the seed of Abraham. You can receive every promise. Everything is open to you. You don't get into the kingdom and then become a second-class citizen. Now, in fact, he'll tell you that the last comes in will come first. He just has grace like that, and he just wants to show you how much he loves you. All you have to believe is that Jesus came that he died, that he rose again, and that he's seated at the right hand of majesty, serving the Father as your high priest, 
after the order of Melchizedek. That's you. If you'd like to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, would you show me that by raising your hands? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I usually go through four appeals, so I have a second appeal for you. I told you, and I quoted a scripture. I didn't reference it. It's in Romans, I believe, chapter 14. We'll find that. That says that the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you can abound in hope. The Apostle Paul said through the power of the Holy Ghost. For some of you, you're believers, but you haven't received that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's vital to your hope being developed. Abraham got hope after God speaking to him and him seeing a vision. The Holy Spirit is the one the member of the Godhead that communicates through visions and dreams. You need his empowerment. You also need a language that comes from heaven beyond the language that comes from earth. That's not a living reality in your life. You're not bad. I'm just saying you're living beneath your privilege and you need it. I'm just saying, I'm not adding nobody. I'm not telling you you're going to hell. I'm just telling you you can't get all of heaven passed for you without all the empowerments that heaven makes available to you. If that's you, you believe in God to receive this second work of grace, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, to speak with other tongues, to have God show you. And maybe you're already a spirit-filled believer, but you haven't really cultivated that, that connection with the Holy Spirit that keeps you hopeful in the midst of hopeless situations to the point that even though things haven't manifested, you still have joy and peace in believing because you're abounding through hope through the Holy Ghost power. If that's you and you're saying, Lord, I need more joy and peace while the process is going on, I need you to have give me that hope to be an anchor of my soul through the Holy Spirit. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Show me that. All right, I see your hand. I see your hand. Yeah, you put your hands down. Thank you, thank you. All right. That was really my second and third appeal together. Um, the final appeal is God has told me, and this is even for those of you that are watching us online, I'd love to be your man of God. God has given us a unique capacity to share biblical truth, ancient truth, in a contemporary translation that makes it clear to you. I, lose, I use a little bit of humor. I use a little bit of Ebonics. I use everything to try to get truth to you in a way that you can grasp it and grasp hold of it to where it's yours and can walk home with it. Because I want you to have the empowerment you need to both find and fulfill the destiny path of God for your life. If you'd like to have information on membership at Destiny Generation Church, it's not hard. God made it easy. I'm not going to make it hard there's some things we want to share with you I would love to not we're not going to do anything other than to acknowledge you and to, to make sure that we touch base with you after our service is over if you're interested in membership and destiny generation would you show me that by raising your hand and then we will um, reach out to you after the service is over in Jesus name hallelujah those of you that are online please information is there about our church and you can also learn about membership. You can be a cyber member. I believe that God's going to raise us up and touch people who are far enough away that they can't be physically in the house, but they'll come behind, support the vision, get in all the materials that we're doing, and then they'll grow with us and find their destiny as well. If that's you, you can please contact us either through Facebook or YouTube, and we'll follow up with you and get that information to you as well. Praise the Lord. Come on, saints, and those that are in faith, um, to be saved, say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, you said through Jesus that if I ask you as my good Father, you would give me the gift of your precious Holy Spirit. I'm asking you now to fill me with the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. I fully expect to speak with other tongues 
as your spirit gives me utterance. Heavenly Father, you are the God of hope. You fill me with joy and peace in believing. I declare that I abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This hope anchors my soul, builds my blueprint on the promise that you have for my life. And this hope enters beyond the veil where Jesus, my great high priest after the order of Melchizedek, ministers before the heavenly tabernacle to cause this promise, your promise on my life to come to pass. Thank you, Lord. I fully expect it. Like Abraham and Sarah, I have confidence in you. I trust in you beyond my circumstances. I judge you faithful to your promise, and I give you glory for it right now. Come on, praise him, saints. Praise him right there. Open your mouth. Give him the sacrifice of thanksgiving for the thing you are believing for. Praise him like it's already done. Like, praise him for the thing you're believing for. Praise him for the thing you're believing for. Open your mouth. You've got to do what Abraham did. You've got to open your mouth and tell him that you praise him. Praise him like it's already done. Praise him like it's already fixed. Praise him like it's already paid for. Praise him like it's already restored. Praise him like your children are already brought back. Praise him like it's done now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you that are online, don't, don't take that part of it. Don't take that. Listen, you go through the whole process. You need to praise him too. You got to open your mouth. Abraham did. That's part of the process. On the other side of your worship, you're going to have vision for the provision. He's, he's, he's changing your perspective. He's changing your position so he can change your perspective. Those were real-time revelations. I'm going to go back home and write those in my notes because I didn't have that when I came here today. But God spoke to us and spoke through us at the same time. I need this in my life, and I'm challenging you to take it. Would you also consider helping me to spread the word of destiny to the uttermost parts of the earth? There's information on your screen that will allow you to sow into the word of God that we're doing here. And also, hey, like our Facebook page. Sometimes people tell me when they see me, I've been watching in this state and that state. Please just leave a testimony. Just say I'm watching from such and such a place so that we know who you are and that the word is having an impact on your life. You can help the preacher who helps you by encouraging them based on the encouragement that they provide in your life. So many preachers are quitting. Some of them are even committing suicide. You've got to do your ministry to help them. Stop talking about church help hurts and then not talking about church helps. That's all I'm asking. If the church is helping you, tell me. That helps me to keep going. You encourage me as I encourage you because we're in this thing together. Would you do that? That's all I'm asking. We're going to start a new series this Tuesday night on um, Back to the Future, Revelation on End Time Events. I'm going to open the book of Revelation and show you insights on end time events. You can ask me all of the questions you ask. I'm taking all questions. I'm turning nobody away. And I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to answer the ones I don't know in Jesus' name. But I'm going to ask, but take them. I'm going to take them. All right. So I'm asking you to join us there, and then we'll be back next week for Unleashing the Increase of Faith. See you next week. God bless you. Come on, saints.